Salutations, Starlights. I am your lovely, lovely, lovely host named Rhea, and I use they, them, and theirs pronouns only. I would love to offer you a warm, buttery, crispy, cherry cheese Danish welcome to another episode of Babylon Rising, a queer podcast about liberatory magics, art, and the occult. I am very excited to be back on the mic. I admittedly tried to record this podcast once already um, because even though I've been feeling really inspired, I haven't been all that eager to write down a script. Um, So I got on the mic and I was like, okay, great. I'm so inspired. I'm just going to talk. And then I realized that my ideas, while they were great, were in an order I wasn't happy with. And I eventually was like, you know what? I'll just write down... (laughs) I'll just write this down so that I can more clearly communicate my ideas because isn't that just the bee's knees? Um, So the topic of this episode is gender essentialism in neo-paganism and pop witchcraft, which um, as excited as I am to be back on the mic, I'm like less excited to have to... uh, (laughs) think too hard about such a dumb idea, which is gender essentialism. I'd like to define a few terms just for the sake of understanding of this episode. Those few things I'd like to define are definitely going to be number one, gender. What is gender exactly? Well, mostly gender is an arbitrary cultural language of association of objects and behaviors with men and women um but like when the culture changes the associations change and so the language the gender language is different and then sometimes there are like other gender categories instead of just men and women but i think we all kind of get that right gender is a sort of cultural language right um a few examples that I'm going to give that I'm familiar with at least are going to be things like women are emotional um, or women wear panties. Those two things aren't inherently true and they don't speak to any kind of uh, imperial truth. I mean, I guess women can wear panties, but they could also wear other kinds of underpants. Um and everybody is emotional because everybody has emotions because everybody has the brain juices that make the fifis happen right so i think we can see the sort of it's really arbitrary why are women associated with being emotional why are they supposed to wear panties no really good reason for that right um men wear briefs men are intellectual well Some men are intellectual, but I can assure you that I've met lots of dumb men. Um, Also, most people wear briefs, I feel like. Um, I wear briefs. They're just like underpants shorts, and I like them. And I'm not a man. Do I become a man when I'm a smart person who wears briefs? No, I don't. Uh... And so I think you can again see how sort of arbitrary it is. I think for some people who aren't as familiar with um, these definitions, it's like, what do you mean gender is non-binary? What are you talking about? This is what we're talking about. 
Um, but I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Next definition. All right, let's define the primary idea of the episode that I'm going to be talking about, which is gender essentialism. Uh, that dumb idea I mentioned at the top. Yeah, so uh, gender essentialism is the idea that there are essential, natural, and unchangeable characteristics of men and women. Um, that's the idea. It's pretty dumb, is it not? I've just explained that gender is really arbitrary and not all that natural. Are underwear natural? Do we see underwear? Do we see like um, female ostriches wear panties and female uh, and male um, ostriches wear briefs? Is it, can we observe this using the scientific method? I mean, not really. I mean, I guess you could calculate the number of men and women which wear different types of underwear, but that wouldn't really speak to whether underwear and who was allowed to wear what kind of underwear was like, you know, divinely inspired. Um, I used to listen to a lot of different types of podcasts. I still do for the most part, but I have a weird habit of giving a lot of leeway to a lot of bad ideas. It's just a habit of mine to try to reconcile, um, the good parts of a bad idea. And it's a really bad habit. And I'll give you an example and then I'll get to the point of this tangent, all right? So conspiracy theories about um, aliens controlling the government um, to the detriment of, you know, the little guys, right? Us on the ground. Um, this is like not a super good idea. It's kind of dumb, is it not? I mean, my instinct when hearing something like this is like, oh, this is an idea coming from people who can sense the wrong in our world right now. And sure, they think that this wrong is caused by aliens, but I mean, they're halfway, I mean, the government is controlled by like capitalists and wealthy jerks. So they're like close um, instead of really coming to terms with the fact that that is a conspiracy theory and will we'll melt your brain a little bit if you entertain them too much, right? So that was a habit I used to engage a lot more in. And so I would listen to a lot of like, very like Christian religious podcasts. Um, and I don't listen to those anymore because I realized like it wasn't doing me any personal good. But I remember one podcast I stopped listening to. Um, they it was supposed to be like a feminist Christian podcast. And they said that, um, gender is given to us by god and so our essential and gendered traits are like divinely inspired and that's why like you know i think you can see where the rest of that idea is going um the point of the matter is that was like a line crossed for me i genuinely stopped listening when i'm i've just mentioned i'm the type of person to give a lot of bad ideas a lot of undeserved leeway Anyways, a related topic that I think is important to keep in mind that I'd like to define is biological determinism, which is the belief that uh, human behavior is, sorry if you can hear a bunch of noise in the background, uh, biological determinism is the belief that human behavior um, can be understood as a result of uh, biological uh, or physiological um, characteristics that they have, right? So like, you're dumb because you've got a little brain. Um, 
your um you're insane because you have a womb and you have wandering womb syndrome because of this um like being a womb makes you prone to insanity right that would be like um that would be like biological determinism um not just that you're more prone to it but like you are like inherently insane because you have a womb uh that would be like biological determinism another good one would be you are um your savage tendencies come from the shape of your skull that's another good one some biological determinism i think Hopefully you can see how this is sort of related to the previous idea we went over. Um, I feel like biological determinism is what you get when you ask somebody, oh, is it nature or is it nurture? And they say it's nature. I think, I think something interesting is that some people feel this way about like being gay, like you're gay because it's like you're biologically predetermined to be gay. You've got the gay gene that's interesting and weird and I don't I don't um I don't think so but uh if it beca if I find out that that's true one day then I'll change my mind about it but so far not buying it not that I um not that I think that it's like a random choice like you just woke up tomorrow and you decided to be gay you just woke up tomorrow and you were like man men are so nice yesterday i thought night women were nice but now i think men are nice um i don't think that either i just don't think uh it's fair to say uh that like you've got the gay gene and if you just remove the gay gene then <laughs> and then you can see where the rest of that is going <laughs> anyways so moving on a little bit Let's talk a little bit about the reality of gender, um, because I think that's important to keep in mind while I discuss these, this dumbness, all right? So the reality is that uh, gender, it's non-binary, my friends, and I, I think it's pretty obvious why. There's no um, biological reason that like um, one would believe that uh men wear briefs and women wear panties i mean you could say that there's some kind of utility reason i guess but like not really either that i mean you could say that everybody should wear briefs because they're more comfortable um they're more breathable than i mean they're better for your genital health than like a thong those are not very good for you <laughs> i mean there's just like more likeliness of like uh, poop particles transferring to like the labia region I believe I read that the point of the matter is you could argue uh, for like utility reasons for like everyone should be like this or everyone should be like that but I mean just believing that people are just this way and it's natural and the way is that um, uterus people are insane and penis people are just like smart <laughs> that's like makes no sense and there's no there's no good reason to believe that unless i guess i guess people believe that because it makes them feel nice but you know that's not that doesn't make it true gender is non-binary because it's a set of arbitrary associations and we could change those associations they have changed they change over time the end um also in case you were uh uninformed in case you forgot sex is also not binary because um 
there, I mean, there are instances where sex traits, secondary sex traits, um, genitals, things like that, they, they get swapped around, they get mixed up, they show up here when you wouldn't expect them to, whatever else is the case. Um, and these two things, sex and gender, are two different things. So those are some, some truths, some truth pills that I'm sure most people listening are aware of. They're aware of this fact. I think, um, sort of some of the big influences on modern day, like neo-paganism and pop witchcraft, like have like always sort of had these elements of gender essentialism. And I mean, gender essentialism is like something that's part of like over culture. And so of course it would be filtered down into this sort of like witchy pagan subculture that we have. So it's no surprise, but I mean, sort of where you can see it is in its, in, in its uh, primordial form is going to be the fact that Wicca in its inception was uh, mostly a fertility cult, in case you didn't know. Not that there was no focus on like the earth worship that was always there, but uh, so was a strong belief in like a fertility religion with a focus on procreation and women have the wombs and men have the penises. There was like, um, you know, homophobia tossed in that mix because of the like sort of hyper fixation on um, the um, complementarianism, which I guess I, I wasn't expecting to use that term, but it's the idea that men and women, they're intrinsically different and um this is also based on the idea that like sex and gender are the same thing and men and women are intrinsically different in every conceivable way and that they are different but they are meant to complement each other so there was like a focus on complementarianism there was like this idea that um like in the very beginning that um, the, the system of initiation would go like a man initiates a woman, then a woman initiates a man and so on and so forth. I mean, this is like, I'm sure far less prevalent in British traditional Wicca. I'm positive. It's like 2019. Um, uh, yeah, it is at the time of this recording that is. Um, but just like, I just, I'm saying this to point out that, um, in any subculture, you're always going to inherit, you're always going to inherit big brother, um, over culture's beliefs, you know, we want to be just like him, but we want to be different from him. Um, you know, there's the whole idea about how like the subculture can, can't exist, or sorry, the counterculture can never exist at the same time as the overculture, or can't exist without the overculture, sorry, gosh, why am I mixing up my words and ideas? I don't know, probably because it's so hot. Let me take a sip of my water. I'm so thirsty. Um, and I, I, you can see that, like, we sort of view ourselves as apart from the overculture, but you still see sort of the same general types of, you know, you see, like, rape culture things crop up in pagan and, and occult circles. You see this sort of gender essentialist stuff, it pops up. So like, we can, we can never say that like, oh, well, we're spiritual. So we don't, 
we're better than um, those plebes who have never read. Um, why can't I think of a cult book right now? They've never read uh, the Kybalion or however you pronounce that book. So they're they're or whatever else it is. There's lots of spiritual books. Just insert spiritual book here. Um, actually, speaking of the Kybalion, or again, however you pronounce that book, it's a little book about hermeticism. Can't remember when it was written, but I think um, a few things it says really describe succinctly um, elements of, you know, our pop witchcraft and our neo-paganism to this day. I mean, the book wasn't written that long ago. I'm just using it as a reference because it's um, it's very concise when it talks about this. Um, and that is going to be um, the principle of gender. Um, and this principle in the Kybalion is the idea that uh, gender manifests in everything um, on all planes of existence as either feminine or masculine principles. And I think at this point you understand, if you didn't already, that there's no um, perfect way to describe what counts as feminine or what counts as masculine. Um, not really, no. And those associations are like really arbitrary. How come... Um, you know, certain things are associated with whichever one. It's kind of, it was really jarring for me to read this passage as I was reading this book, and I like haven't finished it because of this. It's just, it was really disturbing, and I put it down. I was like, what the heck? What am I supposed to do with this as my, like, me being a non binary individual? What am I, how am I supposed to use this exactly? Now, again, I did bring up the Kybalion here specifically because I think it's very concise when it speaks about this particular matter, but this is like all over the place um, when you look around. If you look at a typical correspondence chart, um, which f like furthermore affects the way people structure their spellcraft, their rituals, that's going to affect rituals that get passed around and distributed. Um, it's going to affect people's real life practices and how they see the world. It's going to affect group circles. Um, it's going to infuse things, right? Viewing things through this uh, binary masculine and feminine uh, lens. Typically, you don't get associations or the overwhelming majority of correspondences are not going to be like, this is masculine and feminine. Uh, you get some things like that, but it's almost less that you get something that's masculine and feminine very often it's going to be it could be either one but not both at the same time which is interesting I mean this isn't to say you don't get associations that are um meant to be read as non-binary or okay I'm using that term very generously but I mean it's not that you don't get associations that are um not gendered in this typical way you still get stuff like that every you know once in a while but um the overwhelming majority of correspondences are going to be like this some people are going to take it way too far i mean to be fair this principle of gender i feel like is pretty vague because of the fact that describing something as feminine or masculine is typically vague and mostly relies on like a shared association 
um, which can like change and is always changing anyways. The point I'm trying to make is that this affects so much, it's really present and it can go too far um, because of the way it affects so much. So like how um, the planet Mars is associated with the masculine principle and the planet Venus is associated with the feminine principle. Um, but you also have the uh, character of Lucifer associated with Venus, um, Lucifer the Morning Star, um, and that character is associated with um, both feminine and masculine things, of course. Um, I mean, there's the idea of like Lucifer as an angel. Angels are typically masculine characters, but also the planet Venus is a typically feminine planet. Um, the angel Haniel or Aniel is people understand that character as sometimes being um, masculine and sometimes being feminine. Personally, my Venus associations are like they lean very non-binary femme. Um, I mean, oof. And this is like keeping in mind that when you use terms like masculine and feminine, it's like very vague and relies on a shared cultural understanding of those terms and so like I would I personally identify as a non-binary femme um I am a non-binary person and I enjoy at least half of the time typically feminine things um so um again back to my thoughts on the planet Venus I read Venus as non-binary and on the feminine spectrum or feminine end of the spectrum. Um, you have all types of masculine character, or you have all types of masculine or feminine characters um, associated with Venus, but they like lean more femme than anything else. That, those are just my thoughts. Other people have different ideas about that, and that's great. I say all this to point out the way that the principle of gender is really present. And I mean, I started with the planets because you go from the planets and then you get the angels, you have associated herbs, you have associated tarot cards, um, color associations, etc, etc. I mean, the color green and pink is associated with Venus. Um, a lot of people read green as a pretty either masculine or like um gender neutral color you know uh pink used to be associated with um just ch I can't remember if it was just children generally speaking or specifically um little boys but you know gender is always changing it's always in flux it's so weird to talk about it um even though you know it's not something I'm unhappy to talk about um I recently did a little collage thinking about this very um, subject matter of Venus and gender and my gender personally. Anyways, so I think this is as good a time as any to talk about how I circumvent this or get rid of it or whatever else, this um, weird gender stuff in magic. So one, you could just get rid of it. You don't need the, um, the principle of gender in your own practice. Um, you can, and this is something I typically encourage people to at least think about, uh, swap out the meanings of any given correspondence with a personal meaning. And, and I, and a meaning I typically give is that, um, I heavily associate lilacs, um, with, um, you know, 
corruption uh, and unpleasant emotions. I don't, I don't remember exactly the, the definition of lilac. They're a very hardy plant. They're all over the place where I live. People plant them all the time because they do well and they bloom several times a year. Anyways, um, and this is specifically because um, Friday mornings when I used to go to Friday mass, uh, I would walk under a big lilac bush and I would have a terrible allergy like reaction, allergic reaction. Um, and like my eyes would be puffy and my snot would be flowing and I had to sit through mass like that. Um, and it was awful. So think about the meanings of your own correspondences. That's a good way to get rid of this. Um, that's something I encourage and do myself. There's also the fact that I don't read anything as being... Um, either masculine or feminine. I typically read things as being um, active or receptive. Um, and I don't mean in a way that's like, oh, you just, it's the same idea, but you just, instead of saying something is what masculine, you say that it's active. Instead of saying it's feminine, you just say it's receptive, which even if it was that, I feel like that would still be better than what we have because calling something femme or mask or I mean, they're not really using terms like that, I guess, typically, but calling something masculine or feminine can, like, it's, like, too easy to turn it into gender essentialism. I don't think it is inherently. I just think it's too easy to go that way with it because I think most people understand that even if you subscribe to the this gender um, principle of gender, which is fine if you do, um, most people accept that everybody has... Uh, feminine and masculine traits. I mean, which makes perfect sense because the two terms themselves are pretty arbitrary and are, are always shifting. Um, but um, the way I think of things is active or receptive. That is um, traits associated with um, taking active participation in creation, in destruction, in conflict, um, or traits associated with um, receiving wisdom, receiving knowledge. Um, receiving attention. Um, that's how I break those down, which aren't inherently masculine or feminine. You have um, men or like uh, guy deities or women deities who are associated with any number of these things, a combination, whatever else, right? Like um, Venus. I mean, tell me you have not read some myths involving Aphrodite. And most of the time, she's a pretty active role in conflict either starting conflict or you know doing whatever she else she wants to do exactly right um she also is associated with um being sort of ogled for her beauty and receiving that kind of um attention and, and admiration right venus has some associations with active and receptive principles um you have like plant associations for example a pepper it's uh, pretty active. It's going to uh, make you sneeze. It's going to get a reaction out of you. It's going to warm you up or something else like that. Have you ever sat down and eaten a bunch of pepper? Um, very, very spicy. I think I mentioned in the last episode I was eating a bunch of pepper. That's the through line. I'm always thinking about eating something spicy. Anyways, so you could argue that peppers have an um, association with um, activity because they cause... A reaction, a very distinctive reaction, sneezing, coughing, snot, um, feeling warm, whatever, and um, 
a receptive plant association could be could be roses because they have such a strong association with um being associated with beauty and being admired for their own beauty and their beautiful scent um the nice thing about this is you can always switch it around um and use pepper um in a receptive way to get somebody to receive like their they're just desserts, right? Or you can use roses in um, an active way in their association with um, relationships and wanting to be an active participant in a relationship, right? Um, so you can move things around, like it's less weird because you don't have the whole distracting masculine and feminine thing. I think we should stop associating um, characteristics or personality traits with masculinity and femininity um generally speaking like i don't hate the the associations generally speaking though like nothing's wrong if you would like to use the um principle of gender because it's not inherently um gender essentialist it's just easy to go that direction for lots of people who don't understand a lot about how generally speaking the principle like leaves room for the fact that people have combinations of typically masculine and typically feminine traits anyways um so that's fine there's also nothing wrong with anybody who wants to celebrate their gender in their magic i do that um all the time all right most of the time there's nothing wrong with wanting to um do woman magic or do man magic I mean there's nothing wrong inherently with those things right just like there's nothing wrong with um trans people wanting to do trans masculine or trans feminine magic in fact I would highly encourage using magic to help you feel comfortable with your gen gender presentation whatever it may be um that's a great opportunity I think I'm gonna talk about that in a follow-up episode um Anyways, there's nothing wrong with those kinds of things inherently. It's just kind of easy for certain people to take it the very wrongest direction in thinking that because you use magic in a certain way, other people gotta use it like that too. Um, because all of your associations with the moon are feminine and you associate the moon with women and women's moon times and and wombs and such that everybody has to feel that way nobody else has to feel that way um <laughs> so i think that's the lesson i feel like that's the overarching lesson um use magic to celebrate yourself and your identity and your relationships and your community relationships don't use it to be unnecessary exclusionary. Don't use it to promote dumb, bad ideas like gender essentialism. Um, learn about gender. I encourage everybody to learn about gender all the time. Um, and I feel like I got to wrap this up. I feel like that was everything I wanted to talk about. Let me know um, how you... Um, feel about this how do you feel about gender essentialism and magic are you also a queer person who uses the principle of gender how do you use it are you a queer person who doesn't use it why don't you use it do you have a system sort of like mine um oh the other thing i'd like to mention is because um 
active and receptive can like go any which way that they need to. You can also have, um, for example, sub principles like an active feminine principle or a receptive masculine principle. Like, um, because like at the end of the day, things associated with femininity or masculinity is like a cultural shorthand and it does communicate some ideas. I just don't think starting there is like all that helpful um, in the long run. Anyways, what do you think about all this? Let me know if you would like to get into contact with me. I have an Instagram called Raya Light, um, Raya.light. Um, it's always linked in the episode description. I have a email called BabylonRisingPodcast at gmail.com. Um, I also have a YouTube channel also called Raya Light. And please leave a rating and review on iTunes if you would like to do me a big favor. It really helps the show. And farewell. Um, and until next time, friends. <laughs>